I sat in a science class this morning, and I had to lean over to my wife, and I said, this teacher that I was sitting in the class with, so he's taking my message right now as I'm sitting here. And, uh, and so I've been looking at this passage for a while, and I got to thinking, oh my, he, he's taking my illustrations, he's taking my passage of Scripture, and I thought, well, Lord, you want me to still do that? And then I got to thinking more about this. I thought, no, this is what the Lord wants. And I love it that the Lord works this way, and I like it just to know that the Lord just takes over. And I had no idea, and I uh, actually hadn't even looked at the lesson or any of those type things. And uh, like I mentioned, I'd been looking at this passage for a while. And so um, I'm so glad that the Word of God is, is not, uh, or it's not exhaustive, it's inexhaustive. And uh, it's a matter that, it, that you know, it's a, we can look at it and we can see that it never, never um, gives, gives uh, things to us that can't uh, still get from it. And there's things that we can still get more and more from it every time we open it. And I'm glad for that. And so, um, I don't know about you, but the Word of God is unlike any other book, and I'm so thankful for it. When we open it up, we can get a, a variety of things from it. I've never met anyone in my life thus far that does not like new. And we all love new. There's something about that tag on an article of clothing that means it's new. Uh, just something quite, nothing quite like it, and something about it. The smell of new, the look of new... Um, you know, the way new shines, the way it looks, it's crisp, it's clean. And uh, don't you just love new? Well, you love new more so if, you've been, if you're given it and you don't have to pay for it. And the, the price tag is, is um, there with it. And maybe you even see the, what it cost and then someone else got it for you. And I tell you tonight, there's a price tag on what Jesus Christ has done for us. And uh, I'm thankful for that. But he's also given us something very new. In this matter of even 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When I get something brand new, I don't know if you're like me, but I can't wait to wear it. And it's a matter that, you know, it's something about it. I remember uh, when my wife, when giving her the wedding ring, and I, I've seen this with even many other ladies, as soon as they get that wedding ring, it's amazing how often they make the movements of all the, of all the hands around. You know what they're trying to get you to do? They're trying to get you to see that new ring. It's amazing uh, what can take place when uh, you get around someone that has received something new. It might be a vehicle. It might be an article of clothing. Um, it could be the ring. It could be a new baby. It could be anything that... Uh, is new, people, you know what they want to do? They want to bring attention to it. And I find that interesting. They want to show it off. I don't know about you, but um, I was very fortunate to be the oldest in my family because I didn't have to receive the hand-me-downs. The other day I was working with Ty, and he was helping me here at the church, and we were working on a project, and he literally told me this, and I was kind of surprised to hear it. He said, i got to keep these pants nice so that Clay can wear them. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to last that long, but, uh, but uh, anyways. And when, by the time Clay gets them, they'll be new to him. Isn't it something that it, even if something is passed down to you, when it comes your turn to wear it, it can feel like it's new? It's funny that how that works, but new is often perceived by the new owner and what is new to them. I think of new, it can be something we have received that is just new to us. You know, I look at these scriptures, and I think of, of how they were put together over this week, and I 
I think it's really exciting to think that they're going to go to a town that has 50,000 people, and this is half, 20, 20, close to 20, a little more than 20,000 here, um, half of that town, right there. It's going to get scripture. And there's another church that put another 20,000 in, so there's going to be a total of 40,000 of these scriptures go to a town of 50,000. And I thought, that's going to be new to them. Some of those people have never received this before. And, they, and most of them probably have never gotten this. And no matter what, when they get this one, it's going to be new. And it, it might be very much so their first copy that they've ever gotten. And many of your fingers and, and your hands and your fingerprints are on these scriptures. And I thank God for that. And I uh, thank those who have, have uh, taken vacation time and done a variety of, of things to sacrifice their time throughout this week and how fast they got put together. But they're new to those people in Mexico that they'll go to. Just a matter of weeks ago, we came into a new year. And we thought of a, a new year, and, and two million, over 2 million people is estimated packed out into Times Square. I'm okay with sitting on my couch seeing that, that uh, ball drop. I don't know that I'd be uh, too okay with being cram-packed for hours upon hours in cold weather next to all kinds of people that don't even know and uh, just crammed in there. But uh, maybe that's for you. Maybe you like that but not for me, but nevertheless at midnight, January 1st, turned into a new year. And so it was a new beginning, and, and maybe there was new, new goals and new visions and New Year's resolutions made, and by this time, actually about two weeks from now, they say 80% of the resolutions that will have been made then will have been broken. 80%. This new year is going to bring new adventures and, and maybe... You know, grandbabies or babies or relationships or friends or items or circumstances or challenges, new tasks, new goals, new events, new projects, new appointments, new things. And what all will be new for you this year? None of us really know. The Bible says that none of us know what a day may bring forth. We don't know what all is going to be new. We hope it's going to be, we have some plans, we have some, some ambitions, we have some things that are that are maybe put out as, as goals and, and people we want to see and places we want to go and all that. But tonight I want to encourage you in just two ways, just two things. I guess I'm that simple, just two ways tonight that I believe God would want us to have new in our life. New. And the question I have for you is what's new? That question oftentimes will come about when it's a matter of we're trying to insinuate, hey, what's going on? What's the latest? What's, the great, what's, what's, what's taking place in your life? What have you been up to? Hey, what's new? And I hope tonight that it'll be a matter that you ask yourself, are these things new in my life? Are they still new? Do they smell new? Do they look new? Are they fresh? Are they appealing? Is it a matter that is something that, that is still taking place in my life? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, A new creature, behold, all things are become new. What does new look like? New means it's, it's, it is unused, it's unworn. What does new look like for a believer? Well, for a believer, it's that the Christian life is brand new to them because they just became a believer. For a Christian, it should be showing Christ as new in our life. I believe this, that the, some of the greatest intensity and the greatest passion comes from new believers. It's a matter that they want to tell someone else about where they're going to church. They want to tell someone else about how they're going to heaven. They want to share the gospel, and they might not even know how to share the whole gospel yet. But they want to do it. They have a passion. I wonder, 
oftentimes I have to ask myself this question, have I that, st- that same passion still? As I did when I first got saved. And when I became new. And as a new Christian. I believe we would agree that, that the opposite of old is new. And I believe that we would say that even as the scripture says that old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. That's what it's to look like. But would you notice with me in verse 17, this first word, it says, therefore. Now here's one of those comical kind of questions, but do you know what therefore is therefore? The reason it is there and what it is there for is so that we will notice what is preceding it and what is ahead of it. So that we will ask that question, what is all this, even in front of this verse, really there for? And so would you notice verse 14? The love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. He died. Verse 15, would you notice, then it says that he, he died, and it also says that he rose again. And then verse 16, Christ is making all the difference. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Christ is making all the difference. So what are these truths therefore? When it says therefore in verse 17, it's talking about Christ's death, his resurrection, and his life that happened. That is talked about before verse 17. And Paul is saying this. He's saying... He doesn't relate to people according to the flesh anymore. He doesn't evaluate them according to the flesh. He doesn't look at them in a way that the world looks at people. Because he looks at people in a way that Christ is looking at them. And he's doing his best now to bring in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection then brought them new life, and they are actually what he refers to as a new creature. Oh, you say, I know some creatures that are Christians. Oh, yeah, well, let's, we'll get to that and what the word creature means. But uh, the way it's supposed to be is as Christians, we aren't to be looking at men as the flesh. We are to lo- be looking for the eternal well-being of people and the spiritual side of things. So can I prompt your thinking in this way? We are to look at people in the, in the way of how the death Burial and resurrection can affect their life. That's how we're to look at people. And so tonight, the first thing I want to just share with you tonight is we ought to have a new look. What's new? We ought to have a new look. We ought to have a new look. And so what's new? Well, as a Christian and living the Christian life with a new look that the child of God should have, a son or daughter of the heavenly king, we ought to look at people in a totally different way than what we looked at them before we got saved. And so as a Christian, I ought to be able to look at someone differently than what I was looking at them before I got saved. So a new look, verse 14 and 15, is going to take place if I realize that Christ died for just a few, just some. Oh, here's that word again, for all. Died for all. All means everyone. All means there, there's, there's no um, requirement there. It's a matter that it's all people, and he died for all. So when I look at this, I see a new look. A soul that Jesus died for 
is whether I know them by name, whether I, whether I just first met them, whether they don't look so handsome or so pretty, it doesn't matter because die, Jesus died for them. And Jesus died for them enough for me to even talk to them about how Jesus died for them. And so this word in uh, verse 14, it says, for the love of Christ constraineth. That word constrain, it implies to hold together, to compress, to bring to a right spot, to have a proper position. It's the idea of a big ship going into a channel and that, that big ship being brought down into now even a narrow channel. And so it has to be guided to that exact spot to get into that channel. And we are to be so guided by the love of Christ and what Christ has done for us. Get this please, church, tonight, that Jesus died for you. He died for all. Not just you. Although He died for you. But He died for you and He died for everyone else. And so He died for all of us, for all to all. Another idea of constraint, I think about this, is growing up in Tennessee as a young man, I think of how the cattle would come into what they called a cattle chute. And the cattle would come into that, and, they, and actually as they would come into that, it's kind of like metal fences, and that cattle would come in, and that cattle was getting put into a, a position where they were not going to be able to get out of it. And they were going to kick, and they were going to scream, and they were going to make some noises you never heard cows make before. But uh, it's a matter that they were being compressed, and they were being forced into a rightful position and a rightful spot because they were going to get either medication to minister to them, and they might even get a branding, or they might have something take place that they needed, whether they liked it or not. But what was taking place is it was a matter of even coercing the cattle to come to that exact chute, that exact spot, to get into that right position where, they, where there's, there was no movement anywhere else around. They couldn't get out. They, they were right there. You know what's supposed to take place with us? We need to be contained to Christ's love so much that we can't see any other way or get, any other, get, get, get out here or out there like the cows could not even move anywhere, but that we can be contained so much to the love of Christ that we are looking at people through the eyes of Jesus. See, a new look is seeing how Jesus sees people. And it's seeing them the way Jesus sees people. I think of how Jesus saw the tax collectors. And we say tax collectors automatically, you think of New Jersey. But you know, actually one of the greatest studies through the Gospels is to see all the tax collectors that Jesus connected with. And more than likely, you and I don't have great thoughts about tax collectors, and I don't know that we should, being in this state in the state that we're in. But you know, the thoughts that the people had for the tax collectors of that day was not much different. Matter of fact, I would, I would dare say it was worse for the tax collectors. I mean, they were looked at as men that were notorious, being known for being traitors. They, they were collecting, and they were dishonest, and they were constantly scheming and conniving, and they were constantly hated, and they were very much despised. And Jesus says this, I'm going to make a beeline for them. I'm going to go after them. Matter of fact, I'm going to take Matthew and I'm going to turn him into a disciple, a tax collector. The Apostle Paul, the one who helped in the writing of the second Corinthians that we even just read this evening, he was not Apostle Paul, as you and I know, all of his life. Much of his life he was Saul and he was killing Christians. 
I, when I think of that, I think of how he must have come across some of those same families that were affected by his killing, maybe their brother, maybe their mother, maybe their father, maybe their sister, when he was Saul and now he's Paul. You know what changed in his life? Jesus came into his life. You know what took place? Jesus cared enough about Saul to help him to become Paul. Think about the woman at the well. I think of John 4, 14, it says, that Jesus said to her, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman at the well says this, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that that said, is thou truly? The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. The question I have for us tonight, would we even speak to that kind of woman? Here Jesus is, ready to give water, and knows everything about this woman. And she perceives he's a prophet because she answered him, Now I am no husband. When Jesus knows she had five. Will we be as kind? Will we be as gracious? Will we be as loving? Will we be as polite like Jesus? If we can see through the eyes of Jesus, we will. If we can see that he died for all, we will. If we can have a new look on this matter of, as a Christian, looking at even a lost world, that they need Jesus. And it's a matter that Jesus died for them and died for all. And so we will see the woman at the well just as Jesus saw her that way that day. And when we see people in walks of life that we might not agree with, you know, it's a matter that it's not for us to say we disagree with them. It's a matter for us to show them the love of Christ, to be polite, to be kind, gracious, and to really show them what Jesus is really like. Do you realize this tonight? That you and I might be the only Jesus that someone even knows. Do you think of that? If we think of that, I wonder what kind of Jesus we are portraying. And I wonder who in our, our walk of life do we treat differently? You know, the problem is we just need to see past ourselves. We need to get past ourselves. Do we see people the way Jesus sees them? 1 Thessalonians 4 9 says that we are taught of God to love. The question I have for us this evening is how much do you and I really love people the way that God loves them. If we love one another, 1 John 4, 12 says, if we love one another, if we do, then God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. And how we look at others, it should be a new look. It should be a new look. We need to see the way, peop the way people, the way Jesus sees them. And we would do well to see people the way Jesus sees them. A new look is going to show them Christ's love, that he died for all. I think if we can just get this, it'll change our witness. It'll change us. It'll be a matter that we can get to a point in our life where we care more about, our, about someone else's soul than their style. What brand do they have on? What are they wearing? That's a big deal for, for us when I was in high school. You look and see, was it, is, it, is it Tommy Hilfiger? Is it Skechers? Is it Timberlands? What, what's it, what, 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 what brand are they wearing today? 
You know what we need to look past? We need to look past what's on the outside. We look past that and, and see their soul and see that's somebody that God loves. It's somebody that I need to show Jesus to. We need to care more about people than what they're involved with. We need to care more about where they will spend eternity than their present look and how they look. How do we view others? Well, if we can get this, that God died for all of them, we'll treat all people differently? No, the same. And it'll be with the love of Christ and the love being shown to them. And so it's a matter that we can do this. In verse 10, let's keep this in mind. Verse 10, would you please notice that with me? Of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We must all appear. See, how you and I treat people is also going to be judged by this. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Things that are done in His body according to what they have done, whether it be good or bad. I wonder, those of us who call ourselves Christians, what is our true outlook on others really like? Is there anyone that we would not be willing to talk to about Jesus? Is there anyone that would not want us to talk to them because... They don't want anything to do with the Jesus we say we have. See, a new look is seeing how Jesus sees people. Verse 16, would you please notice with me this? This is very important. For this new look to take place, for this to happen in our life, if you want to look at people in a new way and have a new look, a new look is going to do this in verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. We say this tonight, please. A new look is not to be looking at men after the flesh. How do I do this? Henceforth said it means no longer, no more. It used to be, not now. What, old, what is old has passed away. The old ways are not the new way of a true Christian. So a new creature, an old way, an old thing that has passed away, the world's way is in verse 12. The latter part of the verse there says this, that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. That's the world's way. They look at appearance. They look at things that, that are on the outside, the external. You know, it's more, what's more critical to you, what someone says or what they mean? What's more critical to you? The way someone looks, their reputation, their externals, the class, their wealth, the status, their appearance, their words, their athleticism. What's more important to us? For the world, it's hard to believe this, but what is considered to be the greatest event in their year is the Oscars. The Oscars. Over one billion people watch this event. Now, with this event comes a matter of permeating fakeness. An event that brings shallowness, deceit, major, major vanity, and a whole lot of self-conceit. But that's the world. Why? Because they're looking at appearance. But if we are looking at people the way Jesus sees them, it's such a polar opposite of this than the way the world looks at them. It's a matter that we look at people in the way that I want to show Christ's love to them, so much so that I want to make sure Christ's love is coming out of me. And look at the best way we can show Christ's love toward them and not looking at men after the flesh. Why? Because in verse 17, would you notice this please with me? Therefore, if any man be in Christ. In Christ. It's amazing to me that 
for a believer or unbeliever, it takes us looking past the externally completely. So for an unbeliever, if I see an unbeliever, I think they're an unbeliever. I don't know whether they're saved or not, but, but by their fruit, we should know them. And, and it doesn't seem like there's fruit there. And, and so if they're not saved, as an unbeliever, I'm going to look at them and I'm going to think, if I have a new look, this look that God wants me to have, and as a new creature, and, and a new way, and a new, a, a new beginning, the new look for them is, Jesus died for them. That's what I'm going to think. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to train my mind so much so that I, that I want to make sure that I do my best if I have the opportunity to talk with them, to talk with them about the Lord, to represent Christ well, and to show Christ to them. Because that's an unbeliever. Now, as a believer, I'm going to think, wait a second, they're in Christ now. The unbeliever is not, not in Christ yet. I want to get them to Christ so they can have Christ in them. But as a believer, they're in Christ. So I want to treat them in such a way that, man, what I'm saying tonight is we are to be looking really at both of, and all people, that he died for all people. Yes, as an unbeliever, they need Christ. But then as a believer, they have Christ. So I'm going to be looking at them in a way that I'm looking at them in a spiritual way, past the external, and really in an eternal way for all human life, and so much so that we look at them differently, we look at people differently. There's a song that goes like this, New life in Christ, abundant and free. What glories shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with the sin, the searching and strife, forever gone, there's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. So when we view others according to the flesh, we evaluate them from an egocentric perspective. In terms of what they can do for us, what they mean to us, what their position is, what their wealth is, what their race, gender, and it becomes the dominating criteria. But when we view people from a Christ-word view, Christocentric, the perspective is radically different. We can look at people because we are constrained by the love of Christ to them and us. And so when I look at people, a new look, I'm going to look at people as God loves them. God died for them. And then I'm going to look at a believer as they are a new creature. And you know what? I don't want to look at them after the flesh. I want to see what, what can I do to be a help to them and their spiritual life. And what can I do to help them become... And, and as a spiritual well-being, the strongest possible, most mature Christian they can be. And I don't know about you, but we don't think this way every day. And a new look will actually have a new look on life and a new outlook, if I may, of how people are in the world. I'm not going to look at what they're wearing. I'm not going to look at what they look like. I'm going to look at them as God died for them. Man, I want to get the gospel to them. And I'm going to look at a believer as they're a new creature, they're, they're in Christ. And man, I want to see how much of Christ we can, we can actually show them. Because you know this, God is, is actually, I wrote this, wrote this down, God will become as big to you as you make him out to be in your life. That's how big he'll be to you. That's how big he'll be to me. Secondly tonight, in closing this evening, a new life. Not only a new look, but a new life. In verse 17 it says this, Behold, all things are become new. How does this take place? How do all things become new? Jesus does this. No one else could do it like Jesus can. And verse 15, though, it is very important that we don't forget what is therefore ahead of 
there and what, what is ahead of even that word in verse 17. And verse 15 it says, another henceforth it says this, that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Not live unto ourselves. See, it's not that we don't place focus or care about ourselves and that we you know, don't care how we look and, and what we do and, and the appearance that we do have, but it's that we care more about what's the main thing, and that is that Jesus Christ is who we are representing. I wonder how often do we look in that mirror and we think automatically, Jesus, am I going to rep- will I represent you well today? Please help me to represent you well today. Or is it, oh, this hair is out of place. Let me get this one in. Or whatever it might be. See, what matters most is, is on the inside. In verse 15, it says this, that we are not living unto ourselves, but unto Him. That's Jesus. The last book of the New Testament puts it this way in the book of Revelation, a kind of a, a look that we should have for ourselves here, and a new life in a way of, of thinking, a way of, of ourselves. We need to get past ourselves. We need to look at in the way of how can I represent Christ the best today? How can I represent Christ as well as I can possibly represent Him? Revelation says, Thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not thou that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? You know, not only do we need to see people the way that Jesus sees them, we need to see ourselves like God sees us. I mean, God sees us exactly how we are. You know, He knows down the depths of your heart tonight. He knows every thought you've had since you've been in this service tonight. He he knows what you're going to do this evening. He knows what's going to happen the rest of this week. He knows up to this point of your life, and He knows the rest of your life. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows it all. Who are we trying to fool? Why? The Word of God is so clear on these things, and most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we have no problem looking in that mirror, and, but we do have a situation with, with finding, you know, the, the matter of looking at just the surface, and we've got to get past this, and there's even times we look at ourselves through the eyes of others, and we, we're, it's not wise to compare ourselves amongst ourselves, and that's why the Word of God said we shouldn't do that, and, but we do this, and that's why the Word of God says we should not do it. And, you know, the best place we can get to is being able to look at our own sinful heart and say, God, I know you see it. And so, through the eyes of Jesus Christ, God, help me to see what you see, how you see me, and, and help me to realize I must depend on you. And I need your help today. Because I need that, uh, that new life is a life that can be lived for Christ and a new life that is lived for Christ is going to humble you. It's going to stop you. It's going to, it's going to keep you from looking on others and, and not looking down on people, not treating anybody differently. And it's going to get you away from the pharisaical type attitude or spirit. It's going to, you're going to see yourself in need of a Savior because I'm sick. And actually in Revelation it says, I'm miserable, I'm poor, I'm naked. And it shows... By this, and Mark 2, would you turn there with me, please? It shows by what we talk about, and would you please notice with me, this, this passage of Scripture is talking about churchgoers. This passage of Scripture is talking about the religious ones. And it's, a, it's the Pharisees, it's the Sadducees, but those are the churchgoers, those are the guys, these are the people that know the Scripture. And Mark 2, would you notice with me, please, this? This is a new life now we're talking about. And a new life is going to have a different outlook on ourselves, and, and realize we need Christ and we need to be dead to ourselves. Yeah, we're, we have a new life, and so it's a new beginning, but it's a life to be lived for Christ. In Mark 2, verse 15, it says this, 
And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus. What's he doing? Yeah, he's sitting with them. And his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees, oh, these guys know, they're the religious ones. They're the ones who went to church. They're the churchgoers. They know better. And they say this, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, I find it interesting, they said unto his disciples, why not go to the source? Because people that don't really want an answer don't go to, to get the real answer. They go to someone else to just talk about what they think is the answer. They don't go to Christ for the answer or who has the answer. How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? We just have this question. But this is a question in a pharisaical attitude. This is a question in a way from a religious person that is, that is trying to criticize and trying to critique what Jesus is doing by sitting with publicans and sinners and how dare he, how could he. And this is what Jesus says. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know who Jesus came for? He came for the ones who realize they are sick without Him. You know who Jesus came for? He came for the ones that you and I, if we're not careful, will get a pharisaical type attitude and a spirit in such a way that we think we are better than whoever. I can't talk to them. I'll shun them. I'll avoid them. But Jesus died for them. And if you really see the fact that Jesus died for all, it will change our witness. It'll change our look. It'll change our life in such a way that, my goodness, we will realize where we are and how, how we didn't get here on our own and how Jesus spared us from a life uh, that could have been going right uh, straight to hell. And it's a matter that, it, that He spared us from that and we can go to heaven one day and we have Jesus in us and He's given us new life in Christ, abundant and free. And it's, and it's something that I want to share with someone else and something I don't want anyone else to, to be able to say, man, I don't want anything to do with their Jesus. That's the kind of Jesus they have. No, I don't want to think about how great I am. I want to, I want to make sure I, I show them how great He is. And it tells a lot by who we're living for. And, and so, what do we do? Don't live unto ourselves, but unto Him. I don't know about you, we all struggle in this area. We're in Christ, and it should make a difference where, of where we take Jesus, and what we do with Jesus should matter, and where we go with Jesus, and how we talk about Jesus. And, and because Jesus has taken residence within us, and we're in Christ, and that in Christ is a oneness, and that in Christ is, is a covenant, and that in Christ is communion, and that in, that in Christ is a matter that Jesus has come into our life and as a college student, I felt like that was the first time I had liberty and I had freedom to do as I pleased. And on my own, I could make my own decisions. And here I go, let me enjoy life. But I, there was a couple problems that came, to, came about with this. One, I was, I was saved. And the Holy Spirit would come and speak into my ear and, and convict me and say, you're going to take Jesus there? You're going you're gonna to talk that way and... You say you have Jesus in you? And then another, another problem, which by the way, I found these to be not problems with solutions, was 
the fact that the Word of God talks a lot about the fear of God. And so I couldn't shake the fact that if I wanted to go somewhere, if I wanted to do something, I really felt like if I went there, that God would strike me dead right in that place. And that would be the last place that I would be known for being. And because of the fear of God, my life. Boy, if we get back to this matter, and new life does that. New look looks at people differently than what everyone looks at them. doesn't look at the style, doesn't care about the brand, doesn't care about what they look like on the outside. It, it looks at the inside and says, I want their eternity to be heaven, and I want it to be a matter that they get to come to know Christ in their life, and I want to show them Christ the best way I can show them. And a new life thinks about, yep, I do carry Christ with me wherever I go. And it is a matter what I say and what I do, and my sin is going to be found out. And you know, it's a matter that it is going to be showed, and eventually the inside is going to be revealed through the outside, and it's going to really come to fruition that, you know what, I want Jesus out of anybody to be portrayed in my life. So i got to walk, i got to talk, and this is not easy. This is something I have to die to myself daily, and I have to see that Jesus died for, for all, and I can't live unto myself, I don't live unto Him, and I want to be all about Him. So i, I gotta, I got to get help with this. And so that new life, I want people to see more of Jesus in me than they see me. So the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ did something incredible for Paul. You know what it did? It showed him a realization that there was a dividing line for the world's history and for his own story, his own testimony, and Paul had fresh eyes, a fresh look, and a new life. And he was excited about it, and he was exuberant about it, and he couldn't get over it. And he had a fresh look on seeing the blessings of what the gospel could bring to mankind. And the reality was he was seeing a new look because he had Christ and he saw potentiality galore. And it was a matter that he was constrained. He was stuck right in the proper place, right in the love of Christ. Because he loved Christ so much and he saw what Christ did for all. And he knew and had experienced now a new life that there was something different about Paul. He wasn't Saul anymore. And so he's seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. And people, he wants them to see Jesus more in him than they saw him. He wanted them to see Jesus in him. I wonder tonight, do you want that? Do you desire that? Let's get back to the love of Christ. We've lost our first love. It's important.